Welcome to the Neurodiverse Toolbox with Sheila Kieschlin and Paige Kieschlin. Good afternoon, Paige. Good afternoon, Mom. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm excited because we have a guest today. So our guest today is Lisa Citarella. She is the owner of Mojo Movement and Massage in Boulder, Colorado. And she has had her hands and or feet all over every member of our family. So um, I'll let her give uh, an intro of herself about what she does, but she's an amazing body worker. So Lisa, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So yeah, so as you said, I am a movement specialist and massage therapist here in Boulder. Um, I started in this field originally doing studying biomechanics as an orthotist at the UC Davis Medical Center, um, which is designing and making movement systems um, and you know, learned gait analysis and fabrication techniques down at Rancho Los Amigos Medical Center. And then progressed left to the field of orthotics, moved over to massage and movement and have enjoyed that field ever since. Awesome. Um, So questions we ask all of our guests. Paige, what is something you can't go a day without doing? You know, I had a hard time with this one, um, but (laughs) I I was saying, what do I do every, every single day besides the basic habits, you know, that we we all incorporate in routines that we do in our things. But, you know, I have to say podcasts, podcasts get me through a lot of life and dealing with a lot of the more mundane activities to keep me engaged with them. So what are your, some, what are some of your favorites? Um, I love, um, oh gosh, I'm playing radio lab. Um, it, a lot of the NPR ones actually. So I do enjoy, um, radio lab, ABMP has a great, um, massage, um, podcast, um, called I have a client who, um, I also enjoy this American life story core. I just love getting glimpses into other people's, uh, lives that I, you know, you don't encounter in your normal everyday and hearing the, the stories about the human experience in our world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you should check out um, The Moth. It does the same. I love The Moth. I do know The, the Moth. moth. <laughs> I have a long list. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. <laughs> what habit have you found that helps your brain the most? Um, good food. Obviously, like I think really what we put in our bodies and what we could do with our bodies uh, really help me a lot with uh, my DHD. And I think that's something that a lot of people experience, but eating good quality food, you know, less processing, less sugars, all of those um, ideas, you know, the basic general healthy eating. Um, And I have to say, I have a spreadsheet to-do list that is kind of my Bible. Um, It helps me to kind of see all my to-dos at one place, be able to put things in different categories or columns so I can kind of group them, things I might do in different locations. Um, and it allows me to kind of mix up those categories since I have a hard time staying with one calendar throughout the year or those kinds of things. It allows me to stay in one system, but play around with it enough that keeps me engaged. Nice. Very cool idea. <laughs> okay. Um, last one. What are you excited about today? Um, today I'm excited about being here with you guys. 
And learning new things is always something that excites me. I do like to constantly be mixing and learning new things. Absolutely. I have to say another thing that you were talking about the habits every day um, that I do every day. And the other thing I've really come to realize is putting things in zones in my life. Um, meaning that I used to get really wrapped up, like if I was by home office, you know, what's home, what's work, what's, you know, having to do with the family and that kind of thing. And ever since having my own office outside of the house and being able to do all my work stuff at work and on my home stuff at home, but then even now that it's the holiday season um, here, you know, I have a fold up table I put in my office. So all of my holiday stuff is over in that zone on that table. So when I'm over there, I can stay focused on the one thing instead of getting distracted by multiple topics at one time. And that's been huge for me. I talk to a lot of my clients about that, like your living space, especially if you're like a kid in a dorm or something or mm-hmm. a small apartment, because your living space should be set up like kindergarten zones. Right. Exactly. Yes. Kindergarten centers, <laughs> right? Like, this is, you know, obviously the centers are different. It's not um, pretend play and Legos and that kind of stuff, but still. Um, you don't know what I do, Sheila. Don't judge. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> hey, you are. I mean, you play with Lego. I actually have a client that does that to relax himself. So Legos are great. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying, unfortunately, most of us don't get to play with them every day anymore. Um, cool. Well, thank you. So. Um, Tell us a little bit more. So I'm like, I'm not really selling you out, but I'm selling you out. So how does your ADHD help you in your day to like day to day to your job? Cause you do a, a few different things. Yeah. So obviously there's parts of ADHD that are a struggle. Um, and I think, you know, over the years I've accommodated for those, you know, figured out systems that deal with that. But I do think that on the flip side of that, I think ADHD has some really positive things. And I don't think we talk about the positives of neurodiversity enough in our culture. And there are a lot. Um, And for me, I think, you know, because I do both movement training and massage, they're very different. So when I talk about movement training, I do something called corrective exercise, which is looking at the way people move the way they walk, the way they pull, push, sit, stand, all of it, and then creating exercise programs accordingly. So when I'm watching somebody, let's say walk, doing a gait analysis, it's sometimes hard for people to pick out little nuances of movement, but the ability of ADHD that gives you like the distractibility with the small changes or changes in rhythm, changes in flow, that's what I notice. That's what I gravitate towards. And so in the same sense, you might be talking to somebody who has a big dog hair on their shoulder in a black jacket. You just want to grab it and pick it off. And, you know, <laughs> I, I kind of see the same thing, like, oh, that shoulder blade's not moving or that ankle's doing such and such or whatever. So it really does help me figure out what's going on with people in a very holistic way and then be able to design those exercise programs. Um, and then in the same sense, you know, oops, sorry, I have a dog in the background. I hope he's not making much noise. <laughs> no, you're welcome here. But like, it, you know, with um, ADHD, sometimes it's a matter of not that you can't focus, but figuring out what to focus on. And then, of course, getting to the point where you're hyper-focusing on something that maybe you aren't. So when I do massage, that ability to hyper-focus really helps me to drop in and be extremely present in a massage therapy session where I'm tactically very tech, <laughs> tactically very involved with them with my hands or my feet and engage with the client in that way. Um, 
and then being able to really kind of feel what's going on in their system as we're doing it, even if there's no speaking or anything of that sort. Nice. Um, and how do you handle the less, um, the less interesting parts of owning a business? Say that again. What was that? How do you handle the less interesting parts of owning a business, right? The like mm. scheduling and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I got a scheduling software, which is actually amazing. That really has helped me a lot. I used to do it all kind of doing my own scheduling, making phone calls with people back and forth, and then people would switch times and, you know, having to kind of do all that and putting it in an automated scheduling system um, where it's, you know, I can keep client information as well as the schedule in one place and people can move themselves around or uh, cancel and reschedule has been very, very important. Yeah. Saved a ton of time. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) For sure. Um, And then like with like the things like running bills or, you know, balancing checkbooks, all that, I kind of have a routine where one time a day, you know, every, you know, every Saturday morning, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing, um, you know, doing the finances, running the bills, all that kind of thing. So I don't know the answer to this. So as a licensed massage therapist, do you need to keep notes? Like, are you required to keep notes by law? Unfortunately, no. Um, massage therapy is protected under HIPAA, but there is a big push there. It, good practice is to keep notes. Um, and I would say any kind of more uh, perf- <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right word here, more professional, I guess, they, um, mm-hmm. should be keeping notes um, because one, it's really hard is that if way, if you do something that works particularly well or isn't as effective, you have those notes to go back to, but it isn't uh, a requirement in the same way as uh, a medical doctor would be. Right, right. So just, I know I have a doctor who's a client and like notes are his least favorite thing to do, obviously, right? He's great engaging with his mm-hmm. patients, loves his time with his patients, but then he has to write up the notes. So he's really come up with this like shorthand system that allows him to keep the complete note that he needs to keep by law, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in a way that doesn't like seem brutally painful and boring to do, right? So it's just <laughs> what do you do for your notes? Um, kind of the whole, I have a lot of little areas in my life that I've had kind of sort of uh, linked habits. I for uh, habit stacking. Habit stacking. There you go. It's totally different than habit stacking. So I get a little, always forget that term, but um, basically the idea of one activity linking directly to the next activity, right? So every time I'm done with a client, um, I mean, basically either sanitizing equipment, changing sheets, something of that nature. So between my clients, I do leave a 30 minute break um, to one air out the air for the lovely, you know, viruses that are going around these days, but also so that I have time to clean equipment, um, change the room over, do whatever I need to do. And then part of that is the standard. And then I sit down and take notes and then, and only then can I get snack or water. And I usually get a little bite of something to eat or some water. So I'm thirsty if I don't do my notes. (laughs) So it's routine plus uh, treat, snack. Reward, whatever you want to call it. That's cool. Awesome. So um, why might massage be good for people who are neurodiverse? 
you know, there's a, quite a few studies done on children and in massage. Um, however, there aren't as many studies that have been done on adults. And I'm not sure exactly why that is the case. Um, but basically, massage raises the level of serotonin and dopamine in the body, which are the kind of the feel-good hormones, right? And so in one of the things with ADHD, my understanding is, is that the dopamine is lower. And so anything that you can do to kind of raise that gets it going. Um, and a lot of times people who are moving all the time, they think they can't necessarily relax, but a lot of times I feel like it's that they can't relax because there's nothing to relax into, you know? So if you just told me to lay down and just be, it can be difficult. Meditation can be difficult, that kind of thing. But if somebody is giving a massage, there is a tactical thing going on that you can focus on. You can really, and actually sometimes people focus more deeply in a massage because they're like really aware of what I'm doing. Um, and they learn to then how to like, how to actually be still and how to take a break. Do have a couple clients that over the years that just really need to get up halfway through and shake it out. Um, so typically I just have a robe in the room step out, they jump up, put the robe on, do whatever they need to do. You know, I don't know if they're running around the table or whatever, <laughs> away. and then, you know, and then I'll come back in the room or, you know, sometimes, um, you know, they'll, they'll stay more like partially clothed so they can kind of wiggle stuff as needed and not worry about sheets falling off. Them. Right. Right. That's interesting. Cause a lot of my clients are, um, like they only exist from like, you know, their shoulders up, they really don't think about their bodies. Right. So I could see how massage would just make them like a little bit more aware that they have a body. Absolutely. <laughs> and that their body, you know, only in Western culture, do we separate the mind and the body, right? In Eastern cultures, it's very much like you can know something because you feel it in your body somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would think that people just become more aware of what their body's feeling. Absolutely. And I don't think that's just for um, ADHD, right? No. I mean, a lot of people are, who are disconnected from their body and don't have that ability to really drop in. Um, one of the things, you know, with massage that's really effective, is effective with that. And a lot of people will just get on the table and be like, oh, I didn't realize my, you know, right shoulder was tight because they weren't feeling it until you have a massage and somebody points it out sort of the you know the blessing and the curse of it is that you get to work out the things that you knew about and you get to find out about other things that may have been going on that you're preventing from becoming useful <laughs> issues in the future and partnered with that is self-releasing muscles and tissues and just being embodied so um, one thing I could kind of recommend sometimes for people who have a hard time with and it doesn't replace meditation or relaxation techniques like that. But if you foam roll, um, which is, you know, taking a ball or a foam roll or things like that and are moving really slow, most people do it far too quickly, but you're supposed to be moving that roller or that ball about an inch um, a second. So pretty slow, but doing that and breathing and feeling that sometimes it, that intensity, you don't have a lot of time to think about your grocery list and, you know, maybe homework assignment you have to do or whatever it is, but you're fully present with your body part that you're engaging. And so it's sort of a nice way to relax also. For sure. Especially when you hit that spot that like, oh, oh, that's the spot that really needed it. 
exactly. Yes, yeah, I, I guarantee you're not thinking 10 different things when you're dealing with that one spot. <laughs> no, definitely. I'm, uh, I am, you know, Monday to Friday foam rolling after I work out and I'm both blessing and cursing your name who taught me to do that. So, <laughs> um, so some neurodiverse people are super tactilely sensitive and, mm-hmm. you know, aren't big fans of being touched. Mm-hmm. What do you do with one of those clients? There's um, a lot of times I'll incorporate energy work into a massage. So while I'm working with them, I'm also working with them on an energetic basis. Um, It's very important to go really slow to stay in communication so that if I, you know, I don't use fast light strokes, it might be more of a, not firm, but I would say a, a firm, confident touch versus deep tissue or, you know, really poke it in there kind of thing and moving very, very slowly. So they know where I'm going and what I'm going to do, what's coming next. And if I'm changing areas of the body, I will let them know that, you know, now I'm going to reach under you so that I'm not surprising them, like by reaching under their shoulder, if they're laying on their back or something of that sort, but that they're aware of what's coming. And then we can stay in communication. And I have to say that I've had quite a few, by six people over the years who really don't like to be touched and all of them have really enjoyed massage. Um, when we, when we practice that way. Yeah. Nice. Fast, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know like, I even know like some people who like, they don't like light touch, but they actually enjoy a deeper, deep touch. Right. One of them might be sitting near me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm the same way though. Like, I don't like a really light touch either. I like it to be not quite as firm as Paige likes it. She likes a good firm touch. Um, but I, you know, like it, it should be firm, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of like a lot of times people may not like a touch, but they like a weighted blanket. If you think about it in that sense, right. Sort of it's adding that, that firmness of pressure that, you know, I mean, if you have a light blanket on and you move and that, like it's going to rub across your legs in an unexpected way, it can kind of feel creepy. But when you have a weighted blanket, you know, you're more um, aware of what you're going to be expecting. So it's not a, as much of a nervous impulse. Right. It pulls into your nervous system. Yeah. Um, so what are some recommendations that you would give for people who are neurodiverse for like exercise in general? Yeah, so I think a lot of um, a lot of people in general, this can go across full boards, get really excited, especially with like New Year coming up. I'm gonna get all, you know, get New Year's resolutions going, get your plans, get your goals, and people head off too uh, too strong, <laughs> too excited, if you will, instead of um, making it just more of becoming part of your life. Um, so there's obviously exercise, which is planned activity, and then there's also motion and movement in our life that add, yeah. um, is just as healthy for our bodies, right? I mean, you hear all the normal things, you know, take the stairs instead of the elevator, park a little further away when you're, you know, walking in, don't park in the closest parking spot, you know, these kind of general things. Um, but there's other things you could add in, like in sitting in a chair, sitting on the floor. And when you sit on the floor, 
your tush usually gets sore after a while. And you start shifting and you start sitting in different ways on the floor. You don't sit in the same cross-legged position. You might switch the direction of your legs or tuck them behind you or to the side. And so doing that, you're adding joint mobility into your hips. Um, you're strengthening your core to be able to sit up straight. So it's not exercise per se, but it's there. Um, so I think thinking, <laughs> thinking about all those ways you can uh, both of you guys sit up stronger. <laughs> I'm just <describing> it. <laughs> it's a slouchy couch. That's the thing is like, you should be able to slouch and you should be able to sit up straight, right? It's not about like never slouch. Our bodies should be able to do all of the things that they're meant to do. And it's about mixing it up. So you're not in one position too long, right? There's the whole sitting versus standing at your desk. Well, you can stand poorly and you can sit poorly. So it's not standing or sitting. It's a matter of changing it up and doing all the things. Um, and then I also say about like more planned fitness activities is that if you are the type of person who gets a little bored with one thing at a time to stir it up for me, I get very bored if I do a cardio machine, if I'm on the treadmill or a bike, you know, stationary bike, something of that nature. If I'm going to do that, I'm be watching really good Netflix shows, or I actually built myself a device that I can put my laptop on my stationary bike so that I can answer emails or watch videos or read more um, scientific papers, things that I usually have a hard time concentrating on. Doing the motion while I'm reading that helps my brain and helps me do the exercise. I mean, I think I got through college on a Stairmaster with flashcards and that's right. right? Yeah. So, if you have to do kind of the boring stuff, because maybe it's 10 feet of snow outside and you're not going to be going out for a hike, that could be something to bring in. Um, the other thing I would say is activities where you're learning something. Um, it keeps people, especially with ADHD, more engaged. If you're learning a skill, if you're learning how to ski versus going for a walk around the neighborhood, that engagement, mind, body, and soul is something more... Um, we're there walking on a rocky trail versus a sidewalk isn't it be more engaging. Um, so personally, I love the aspect of learning a skill. That's what keeps me um, involved. I had a high school student who did um, agility training with his dog. Perfect. Yeah. Right. Like that, that's definitely the most unique thing I heard of somebody doing to like get out and move. Yeah. And I mean, people may think what well, the dog's running the hoops, but it's not true that <laughs> they're running back. They're keeping alongside, they're pointing their, you know, they have to also be completely engaged. And that's a great one too, because he has an exercise buddy. Exactly. Right? You may have a friend who likes to go exercise with you, but I, I mean, I know my dog, if we're in a habit of walking every day, he's going to let me know that it is time to go for walks. We have not gone for walks that day. It's going to be more obvious, right? So having that built in is great. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's interesting too, another thing, I, I've been playing more pickleball. I'm not a very good pickleball player. I'm actually pretty poor, but again, I like learning new things. So I've been playing, but um, playing a fun sport where it's not stressful, right? So nobody's overly competitive. Nobody's going to be upset with you if you don't do it, but it's great for emotional regulation and patience. Because if I see a really good ball coming that I'm like, oh, I could smack this thing and I'm just going to get such a great point. The ability to breathe, step back, calm down and hit it properly 
is really difficult to do for somebody with ADHD, but playing with people who are forgiving and when they were just about having fun, it's a wonderful way to practice that skill and to learn how to take a breath in a highly um, emotionally involved experience. Yeah, for sure. I definitely have clients like uh, that will change the sport with the season. Mm-hmm. Right, because like the idea of going to the gym and working out seems pretty boring um, to a lot of my clients. Right, that's yeah. not right, but like to play like lacrosse for a season and then to play, you know, another sport or to go skiing. Skiing's definitely a big one here. Um, well, I mean, you could change seasonally, like you said, like water sports in the summer, snow sports, mm-hmm. and all of that. However, you can also do it by day. So maybe let's say if you, you know, pickleball is not your thing. Let's say you play volleyball or basketball or something, right? So maybe Mondays are your basketball day and Tuesdays you go for a walk and Wednesdays you do strength training and strength training can be something like going to the gym, but it can also be maybe you're moving a bunch of rocks around your backyard or something, right? Like doing some heavy digging of holes to plant trees or, you know, like, it could be more, I mean, weightlifting, all it is, is lifting heavy stuff. It doesn't have to be in a gym. We all have heavy stuff around the gym. Sure. Right. I mean, so. Seriously, you can like, um, like I skip working out on the weekend because I clean the house. Yeah. And I made furniture when I clean the house. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't need to work out that day because I'm working out that day by cleaning. Yeah. And right. it's one of those things too. You're talking about how to bring movement into your life. I mean, doing your own gardening and cleaning your house is definitely working. I mean, when you're down on your hands and knees and reaching under the beds to get stuff and then reaching up high to wipe down mirrors and, you know, lugging stuff around the house. I mean, it's definitely, you're moving your body into all those stretchy ways and moving ways and crawling ways and bending ways. Us regular. I mean, it's, I actually think there's a lot more value in that than doing um, a repetitive forward motion exercise, not against running or biking or walking by any means, but it's very repetitive in one plane of motion and doing one activity compared to maybe like a gardening or a house cleaning where you're all over the place. So right. it's not one's bad or one's good, but there's a lot of benefit too. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, in the book, ADHD 2.0, they really talk about um, cardio, agility training, and balance training as being like the three, the three things that like people with ADHD should do. And I've just heard across the board, all neurodiversity should be doing those kinds of things. So can you like, all humans should be doing those things, right? Can you (laughs) specify though, like what examples of each of those would be for people who can't be like, well, what's the difference between agility training and, and, uh, balance training or I think we all have cardio right yeah Walking, running biking swimming yeah, totally. even, right um so so yeah yeah so I mean cardio obviously great to get the yayas out into and if you have that extra energy you just need to get out of your body wonderful wonderful way balance training I have to say is wonderful if you're stressed and again these are no matter who you are but if you're stressed out and you try to balance on one leg, it is much more difficult than if you're relaxed. 
and what balance training forces you to do. And there's a lot of different ways to do balance training. You can you know, be on an AirX pad or something that's a little bit wobbly. You can balance on one leg in different positions. You can do planking positions. You know, there's a lot of different things. But it teaches you to breathe and to relax and settle your system so that you can balance in those odd things. If you've seen somebody on a tightrope or um, slack line kind of thing, they're not tense. They're very relaxed. Their kind of energies drop down into their hips, right? They've got some sway. Same thing with like surfing or skateboarding or something of that sort. You have to chill out. If you stress and you tense up, you crash, you fall off. <laughs> so it's an immediate feedback loop of what's, you know, of um, are you being able to be settled? So that's one of the main reasons outside of just the fact that it keeps you from falling and breaking bones and that kind of thing. That's what, one of the more benefits on a neuro level that I think balance provides. And then agility is that ability to put it all together. So, you know, agility might be, um, you know, doing like a burpee or leaping over things or zigzagging movements, um, you know, kind of running lines, that kind of thing. It allows you to, when be very, you have to be very engaged in what you're doing so that you do it properly, sort of like doing a sport where you're learning something where you're really paying attention. Um, and then it also has usually an aspect of increasing the heart rate or um, getting a little more cardiovascular fitness in that in that time of agility. But I think if you are not one to run, you know, do hardcore agility, I think doing something where you're uh, doing a sport where you're constantly learning, sort of like a uh, windsurfing or uh, surfing or balanced, you know, skiing, um, you know, it could be pickleball and stuff like that. You know, any of that, I think really also works on the same levels. And that ability, agility gives you the ability to play those sports in a more effective way too. Right. Cool. Um, what else? Any other thoughts? Do we not hit anything else you've wanted to share with us? Um, I'm thinking about, I think, uh, you know, that's all I had planned on to do today. You know, the other thing I was saying, um, we were talking about habits and I don't, one of the things I've learned from working with clients is that I'm always um, taking notes when I'm with them, you know, jotting down things that they're saying. And years ago, when I started meeting with clients, I realized how important that was for me to bring into my everyday life because I was much more being able to stay present with my clients than maybe I was at home with my family. And so I have to say, no matter what conversation I'm having with people now, I always have a pen and a paper so that I could write down if they're talking about something, write down something that I might be thinking, but I don't hold it in my head so I can actually listen to them or bring up something that I don't want to forget. So I have to say that that's another thing that I think has been really helpful for me. Nice. Awesome. Any other thoughts, Paige? Mm -mm. Good. Yeah. What do you think about the exercise? Fine, I guess. Never her favorite. <laughs> Do you guys have any favorite activities you guys like to do? I, um, I love the treadmill. <laughs> um, I'm used to be a big runner, but I just can't do it anymore. Not quite, not quite the same. Um, but I do love the treadmill. So usually pretty steep incline while I'm walking mm -hmm. and instead of reading articles like you're doing, I'm actually listening to them. 
Um, so I'll, I'll listen to them or I'll do like a class video or something. Mm -hmm. Right. So to get information that way. Um, and then I usually do like almost every day I do crunches, leg lifts, planking to just keep up that core. You know, I have Mm -hmm. to be able to lift Alexis all the time and I'm only getting older. Um, so at least she's not getting heavier anymore. Right. She stopped growing. Um, yes. but yeah. Right. Like the core, it's all about the core really for me because I have to be able to, to lift her and take care of her. And plus, you know, when you have a strong core, it just makes everything you do easier. Right. Like totally standing all day in the kitchen to make Christmas cookies is easier, right. Cleaning the house is easier. Um, you know, just every aspect of life is just easier when your body's strong. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. And just for listeners out there, I'm going to clarify core because so often we hear keep your core strong, strengthen your core. But I don't know if most people actually are aware of the wholeness of the core. So do you mind if I talk about that for a minute? No, please. Okay. So a lot of people think of the abdominal muscles, the stomach muscles, the muscles in the front ones, maybe that you might use to do a crunch or something of that nature. But the core actually goes all the way around, goes from the spine all the way around one side of your body to the belly button and all the way around to the back side of your spine again. So it's muscles, not only in the front, but also in the back and the sides. And then there's a top and a bottom to the core. There's the diaphragm on the top and the pelvic floor on the bottom. Men and women have pelvic floors. It's all the muscles that keep your organs up inside your body. Instead of coming out, it's the you know, muscles that support you, your tailbone to your pubic bone to both of the sits bones on the sides, but really super important. And that's going to give that support from the bottom. Your diaphragm is giving support from the top right. and the core goes all the way around. So as I think of it, like a coffee can, you know, so it has right. the bottom and the sides. Yeah. You awesome. to, if you keep that way strong and functional, then when you're lifting and moving things, you're able to keep your back in a good position. And when your back is in a good position, everything's a whole lot better. <laughs> Absolutely. Brian and I moved like, oh my God, we ordered so much dirt this summer for the garden. <laughs> but we moved it all in a day, right? I mean, we must have had, I think we had like a square ton, foot, whatever they, however they measure mm-hmm. it. Like it was a lot. It covered the whole top half of our driveway. But we moved it all. And I just don't think if I was in the shape that I am, that I would have been able to move it all. Like, you know, yeah, a couple of years ago, I was not in as good a shape and I definitely would not have been able to do it then. Right. So, um, and think about all of the money that a strong core saves for sure, because you don't, you can move your own dirt one, right. Mm -hmm. Okay, you don't have to pay for the doctor's appointments when you pull something out. <laughs> but you can do all of those things, you know. Yeah. Totally. Um, around and you, you know, don't hurt yourself. You know, you can um you can buy the cheaper, heavier computer instead of the lighter weight <laughs> computer to if you're carrying something around or you know, whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Um, if that's it, we'll say goodbye. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And then I will also, um, in the description, I will have your, um, your contact information. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. Bye.
Thank you for listening. If you wanted to coach with me, see my information at bigbangcoaching.net. If you are interested in emailing us, you can reach us at the ndtoolbox at gmail.com. And if you wanted to see our website, please go to the neurodiverse toolbox.podbean.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neurodiverse Toolbox.